Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Disney Decipher, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we give updates on Rise of the Resistance both at Disney World and at Disneyland. We talk about best strategies for getting a boarding group and getting onto the ride. Final episodes of the podcast at DisneyDecipher.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you find podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you could leave a positive review. Shout out and thank you to Bomley and Another Slow Runner, although I don't know who you're referring to there, just kidding, for your recent reviews. We really appreciate it. Connect with us anytime, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at WDWDeciphered on Twitter, or on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Decipher. So what we'll be doing today is, Leslie, you finally got the chance to ride Rise of the Resistance at Disneyland. And of course, I've ridden a few times at Disney World. But I think what people most want to know is, you know, what are the best strategies to get onto this ride? What are the latest updates on what's going on with this ride? Because there's been a lot of things going on. So what we're going to do today is we're going to check in with you really quickly, Leslie, about what happened on your trip. And then we'll talk about best strategies for both Disney World and Disneyland for Rise of the Resistance. Because now, it's open on both coasts. So, Leslie, talk to me a little bit about your trip at Disneyland. You got to go for the media preview for Rise of the Resistance. Yes, that's right. I got to go down for a very quick 24-hour trip and just was there for the media preview. Unfortunately, was not able to stay for opening day, which of course was the free-for-all that we all expected it to be. But yeah, I know I was able to ride the attraction five times, which of course is not normal and ultimately not super helpful to people who don't get that experience. But it was helpful to me to get to see all of the little details because it is one of those attractions that every time you ride it, you're going to spot something that you missed the first time, or you're going to get a different angle, a different view. So that was really helpful for me just in terms of having all those different experiences to be able to tell people who only are getting the chance to do it once or maybe twice in a trip where they should stand, where they should sit, all that good stuff. So grateful to Disney for that. But um, I'm well aware that these press previews are not real life. For those of you who do not know, uh, we have a Patreon group where we do extra episodes. And Leslie, I don't know if you checked it out, but I recorded with Doug from Rope Drop Radio. We recorded kind of all the tricks and I guess, illusions in Rise of the Resistance that we couldn't figure out how they work. So now that you've written five times, Leslie, I'm curious to hear, you know, whether you figured out some of those. Well, I'm not going to spoil anything in this episode for anybody, but yes, there are definitely some, some tricks that you, you see on the, the third iteration or the fourth iteration or fifth iteration in my case. So we'll have to compare those offline, I guess. Sorry to those of you who want spoilers. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you can check out those spoilers and our original Rise of the Resistance episode does have spoilers as well in it. All right. So. Really quickly, can you go over, you know, what do you feel like are the differences between Disneyland and Disney World? And I remember you saying that the kind of rebel area in Batu and Disneyland felt smaller than the one in Disney World. Do you feel like that's going to have an effect with how crowds are going to feel for Rise of the Resistance? And, you know, what other differences did you notice? 
Well, hard to say yet. I mean, the layout is a little bit different because it is tucked back in this sort of more narrow corridor in Disneyland that runs from Critter Country. So in some ways, it kind of spreads the crowds out better because people have sort of a longer walk. And I I understand that the queues are different for the ride, but I haven't gotten to physically see it for myself um, to understand sort of what that means in terms of crowd levels. I've heard from others, at least, that possibly the Disneyland queue is longer because they're probably expecting locals who who will come to the park late in the afternoon and stay until closing to be willing eventually when there is a regular standby line to wait in that standby line for a couple of hours. So they need somewhere to kind of stash the locals, I guess, more so at Disneyland. But it did make the land feel more alive. I sort of felt like the resistance encampment at Disneyland before felt completely dead. Nobody was going that way when there was no rise of the resistance. And now suddenly that side of the land feels part of the whole. So I'm really, really grateful for that. That's awesome. All right. So let's start by updating what's been going on at Walt Disney World. Late in January, Rise of the Resistance had just a no good, very bad week, for lack of a better term. You know, there was one day where the ride didn't even open until like 2 p.m. or something like that. And then the day after that, it didn't open until like 9. So no one's really sure whether it's regular maintenance and they just decided to open on purpose or whether they were just having issues and they couldn't figure them out for that long. But yeah, the week of Martin Luther King, like basically after Martin Luther King Day, it was just really rough for Disney World and there was like a lot of downtime. It seems to have gotten better since, but it hasn't been looking too good. Yeah, it was rough going there for a little bit. And Disneyland's had a couple of rough days as well. But on the whole, Disney World is getting through more boarding groups than Disneyland at this point. And I mean, I think that's only fair. They've had an extra month and change to work out some of the kinks. But too bad for the folks who were there during that holiday week, I guess. For sure. And then just to update what's kind of going on with the boarding groups, quick reminder to ride Rise of the Resistance right now and Uh, as we will talk about later, but we think for the foreseeable future, you right now need a boarding group, which is kind of like a place in a virtual queue. The way the system works right now, and it hasn't changed for about a month, is that anyone who is in the park at Park Open can use their app to try to get a boarding group. It's kind of a bit of a lottery, you know, and also depending on how good your phone is and how good your service is, whether you get a boarding group or not. At Disney World, recently in the last couple of weeks, you know, boarding groups have been going away faster and faster. Like, you know, there are times where boarding groups, regular boarding groups, aka the boarding groups where they guarantee that you get to ride the ride are gone in five minutes and backup boarding groups, which are like kind of, you know, if they get through enough, they'll let you ride the ride, but they won't guarantee it. In other words, they won't give you anything if you don't get on the ride. They've been selling out in like 15 minutes. So it's been pretty crazy with the boarding group situation. And so, you know, I think that's something that people need to know. And another update about what's been going on is the boarding group return window started at two hours. In other words, when your boarding group was called, you had two hours to get to the ride. Now it seems like they've been reducing that to one hour as well. So that's kind of the updates for what's been going on at Walt Disney World. Anything else you've heard about from Disney World that I've missed? Well, you mentioned five minutes as the time for boarding groups running out. I have seen some data even in the last week that some days they're running out in as fast as one minute. There's a great thread on Disboards that we can link to in the show notes where people are tracking this day by day for free. (laughs) This is not their job, but they're still doing it. So I'm grateful to them. But it seems like now the word has gotten out to Disney World goers about this strategy and Thus, the boarding groups are going faster and faster. So, you know, it remains to be seen whether this is going to be the case for a long time to come or whether it's maybe just because there was a holiday. But yeah, who knows? Yeah, and we'll link to that Disboards thread. And we'll also link to Touring Plans has been also charting this. 
I think that is their job. They do get paid for it, but we will uh, link to that one as well. You know, that is kind of graphically represented. And so it's kind of good to see. And they also usefully record kind of when the ride starts during the day. So that's useful information as well. While we're uh, on the subject of Disney World, I think it's good to talk about what's kind of the best strategy for current boarding group procedure. Again, you have to be tapped into the park before 7 a.m. to get a boarding group. And then right at 7 a.m., you can get a boarding group. Let me talk about the boarding group strategy first. I think the best way to do it is the way that I do it is I pull up time.gov on my phone and right as it's about to hit seven o'clock on the dot or whatever the open time is, it is going to be seven for the foreseeable future. You know, then I flip over to my app and then Rise of the Resistance has its own kind of box in the app. And then you can either click find out more or join boarding group. Either works. You know, I've heard data from people who have gotten low boarding groups using either method. So really doesn't matter the method, it just matters that you kind of do it right at 7 a.m. And then, you know, you choose your party really quickly. You put anyone in your party who has already tapped into the park, you can add them to your party, and then you'll be part of the boarding group, and hopefully you get a low number. So that's the actual boarding group sign-up strategy right now. Leslie, did I miss anything? Yeah, just make sure that you link all the tickets in your app, that you have everybody that you need in there, and maybe nobody that you don't need in there, because then you have to be you know, toggling between different people and that kind of thing. But yeah, it really is. You you have to be familiar with the app. So if you're a complete newbie to Disney World and you're trying to do this, you got to spend some quality time in the app to know how this all works, to make sure that you're comfortable at this fastest finger time, because this is like getting tickets on Ticketmaster for like a really popular concert. Great tips. Get rid of people who are not there from your app. Uh, that might make things easier and also be familiar with the app. In terms of actual like strategy, there are, I guess, two types of people who will be going for these boarding groups. If you're listening to this podcast, you'll either be the type of person who wants to rope drop one of the other attractions, meaning Slinky Dog, Rock and Roller Coaster, Tower of Terror, etc. Those attractions all open immediately at 7 a.m. Well, like what they do is there are three places where you can wait. You can wait in front of a rope to get into Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and ride Smuggler's Run. You can wait in front of a rope to get to Toy Story Land and ride Slinky Dog. Or you can wait in front of a rope on Sunset Boulevard to go ride Tower of Terror or Rock and roller coaster. So there's actually a physical rope drop at 7 a.m. And if you want to be on the front of that rope and ride Slinky Dog, you really kind of got to be there an hour and a half before park open. So if that's you, you got to get there at like 530, maybe 545 at the latest so that you can be as far up as possible when the ropes drop so you can, you know, ride Slinky Dog. Like Slinky Dog's wait time like starts basically at 60 minutes and it's more or less a legit 60 minutes. So, you know, if you really want a rope drop, you got to do that. If you don't care about rope dropping those rides, then Really, you don't need to show up until 6.40, 6.45, whenever you feel comfortable. Really, by 6.40, 6.45, most of the people are already in, and then you go through security. As long as you're tapped in again by 7 a.m., you know, you'll be fine. If you really want to risk things, you could tap in at 6.30 a.m. and leave and go back to your hotel and get your boarding group at 7 a.m. from the Skyliner or wherever you are and then go take a nap. You know, that's an option as well. But of course, if you get an early boarding group, then you got to go back. That's right. There's there's ultimately no sleeping at Disney World. Let's just be honest, Joe. Well, yeah, of course, of course. But, you know, in the theoretical case where you want to sleep. But yeah, if you don't really care about rope dropping, you know, you really don't. I showed up at 6.30 on my last trip, got in with no problem, was still in the park by 6.40 and, you know, sat around waiting for 20 minutes to get my boarding group. It's not too bad if you don't worry about the other rides. If you are worried about the other rides, though, and want to rope drop them, you, you got to get there way earlier because the reality is there's thousands of people trying to get boarding groups at 7 a.m. So there's thousands of people in the park at that time. 
Yeah, that's right. It's making the crowd patterns different than they used to be a few months ago for Disney Hollywood Studios. <laughs> it used not to quite have the demand and people are just ultimately getting there and probably more of them are staying, which is keeping crowd levels higher than usually they were. And of course, everything we're saying is assuming a seven o'clock opening for Hollywood Studios, but they're starting to push some of them back to eight. So if it's an eight o'clock opening, just do everything that we said, but add an hour. So instead of showing up at 630, show up at 730, et cetera, et cetera. All right, before we move on to Disneyland, we just want to say a quick thank you to our sponsors, Orlando Stroller Rentals, Disney Decipheds, recommended stroller rental company in Orlando. Orlando Stroller Rentals makes life easy for you because you can pick up your stroller at the airport and then drop it off when you leave. Or if you prefer, they can meet you at your Disney hotel. Orlando Stroller Rentals offers great models for both single and double strollers that are both easy to push and easy to collapse when you're on Disney transportation, especially when you're getting onto those buses. Receive 10% back on a stroller rental when you rent through Orlando Stroller Rentals and reply to your confirmation email saying that you heard about them from Disney Deciphered. And let us know if you use them. All right. So talk to me about Disneyland. You know, what has the news been out of there for how boarding groups are working? What are the kind of general updates on that system before we get to best strategies for Disneyland? Sure. So everything at Disneyland is basically functioning the same way it is at Walt Disney World in terms of you're getting in the virtual queue, you're getting a boarding pass on your Disneyland app, same sort of thing. You click join boarding group. So it's working the same, but it's different at Disneyland because of the locals. And the locals are all wanting to ride this ride. They are coming out every morning in full force. And the park has not been opening as early as Hollywood Studios. Disneyland Park has not been opening as early. It's been usually eight or nine o'clock in the morning, most of the days that Rise of the Resistance has been open. And so more people are kind of able to get up and get there. And it's been a free-for-all. I'm going to be honest. The boarding groups are running out. The regular boarding groups are running out in less than a minute. And Disneyland's app is pretty buggy. I mean, and we know that my Disney experience app is buggy as well, but I actually have more problems with Disneyland's app and had a good friend, Julie Big Boy of Mom Rewritten. She was there with her son a few days ago and her app just wouldn't work. There was a general app outage of a lot of people that day and she was just plumb out of luck. I mean, there's no time to get help from a cast member if your app doesn't work, if your app doesn't refresh, if it crashes, if there's just a general outage. So you know, luckily she prepared her son in advance and, you know, told him that it was likely that they wouldn't get a boarding group. So he wasn't disappointed. But this is just something to keep in mind because there are locals going day after day at Disneyland just trying to get that boarding group. And then if they don't, they're leaving the park for the day because a lot of them have free parking. So there's actually been some great videos on YouTube of people just this mass exodus at 8.02 a.m. when all the people who don't get boarding groups leave. So it's a little bit of a mess. And of course, if you want to rope drop all the other attractions, you're dealing with the crowds that Rise of the Resistance are bringing. And this is the signature park at Disneyland. This is their magic kingdom. So if you're just coming in with young kids, you want to go rope drop Dumbo or Peter Pan, it's a mess. So just be aware of that. I'm hopeful it'll get better, but it's not going to get better for quite a while until all the local annual pass holders get, get a couple of rides in. One quick question before we move to strategy. It's my understanding that Disneyland is still like paper tickets. So how do you link that to your app or do I have that wrong? But like, I know with Disney World, you kind of link everything electronically, but is it different for Disneyland? Great question. You can link everything electronically in the Disneyland app as well. You actually take your paper ticket and there's a little barcode scanner in the app and you scan it and it links to your account and then you can manage everybody in that phone. I mean, they added this technology, especially with MaxPass. It allows people to book fast passes for 
for everybody in their party on their phone, much like they'd book FastPass Plus at Disney World. Definitely sounds like things are pretty different in Disneyland. I do want to look up those YouTube videos about everyone leaving the parking lots. I got to imagine that's a bit of a mess uh, operations wise as well, but not on the scope of this podcast. What are the best tips for people trying to ride Rise of the Resistance at Disneyland? So just like at Walt Disney World, you know, make sure that you've got everything linked and not people linked who aren't going into the parks with you for the day. I would say try on multiple phones because oftentimes one person's app isn't working, but somebody else is. So if you're in a party where you've got multiple adults with multiple smartphones, link everybody's tickets in both (laughs) on both of those phones and fastest finger gets through. So I've had people, a lot of friends have, have luck, you know, just trying 2X and 3X to get through. That's that's super helpful. But I mean, I think just be prepared that it really is a lottery at Disneyland. And I think it's really important more now than ever to have park hopper tickets to give yourself that flexibility to try multiple mornings on a multi-day vacation. And then you can go to the other park if it doesn't work out. So I, I think, you know, Disney's going to make some more money because people are going to need park hopper tickets on these longer vacations just to give themselves multiple chances to, to get that coveted boarding group. Yeah, it sounds pretty crazy. I mean, I would hate to be turned away. I mean, at least it's 8 a.m., so it's a little bit later, but still, it's a real bummer. Any kind of tips on like making sure you get in before 8 a.m. or like rope drop strategies? Yeah, they've been pretty good about processing people to get through. I mean, I'm always somebody who stays within walking distance of Disneyland. So I would recommend that. I mean, you don't have to stay on property hotels. There are plenty of hotels right across the street. That way you're not dependent upon parking shuttles and all of that. But of course, you know, the parking shuttles are moving and just make sure you give yourself, if you are driving, plenty, plenty of time to park. And if you're at a hotel that has its own shuttle, maybe, maybe don't use it if it's not reliable, maybe Uber instead. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, you were saying that road dropping attractions is a bit of a mess. Are there any like attractions that you really want to be on the front of the rope for at Disneyland or are they kind of all about the same? Peter Pan is the one that you have to be at the front of the rope to get. I mean, it's if you're not in that first group of people making a beeline, if you're stopping to park your stroller, you are out of luck and you suddenly have a 30 or 45 minute wait. In fact, it's so bad that I actually recommend that a lot of families don't rope drop Peter Pan because it's hard to get yourself in that pole position. But yeah, that's really the key one. I mean, other ones that are popular at rope drop tend to be Alice in Wonderland Matterhorn for thrill rides. So that has a little more capacity though. So it's not quite as bad, but yeah, Peter Pan, it's a must do. Got it. All right. So let's close out with some quick speculation and also discussion about comparison between the two parks. So first, Leslie, if you had to take a guess, how long do you think these current procedures will stay in place at Disneyland? Ooh, good question. I think they'll stay in place well through the spring. I wonder whether they'll lift them when Avengers Campus opens and that's going to be the big headliner. And we don't know what that's going to be. All Disney said is is summer of 2020. So that's my wild speculation. What do you think about Disney World, Joe? Yeah, I think my money is that this system will stay in place until summer at the earliest, or at least uh, the boarding group system will stay in place until summer at the earliest. And I wouldn't be surprised if it runs all the way through summer because I really do feel like Disney, both world and land, need this boarding group system as long as Rise of the Resistance is still having operational difficulties because people are way less mad if they are waiting in a virtual queue than if they are dumped out of a real queue that they've been standing in for an hour or two. So I think 
boarding groups will exist until Disney figures out things operationally. And that I don't think will happen until the summer or until the end of the summer. One thing that might change though, is people have suggested that maybe Disney turn it into a straight lottery system. Like essentially everyone who is in the park before half an hour can sign up for the lottery. And then at park open time, people will find out whether they got a boarding group or not. Be interesting to see if Disney changes things that way. Either way, I don't think the strategy changes a ton. If you want a rope drop, you still got to get there super early and getting there at 630 instead of getting there at seven is probably going to be about the same. It's just, you're not going to have to worry about doing fast fingers on your phone. That's right. I would like to see Disney add a standby line, even if this is going to be the case, the virtual queue, the boarding passes for a long time, because I do think there should be some way for somebody who's willing to stand on a five hour line because they care that much about the attraction. I wish there was some way for those people to to get their chance, especially if they've only got one day in Disneyland and this is their only shot. That's a good point. I think there are no great solutions. The only real solution is get that ride working as regularly and consistently as possible, Disney World and land. Finally, in terms of comparison between Disney World and Disneyland, I think they're pretty different. Tom Bricker wrote an interesting article, and we'll link to that in the show notes. He was essentially positing that Disneyland works better because, you know, the stereotype that California is a little bit more chill and things more or less work better because of that. You know, I'm butchering his argument. It was well laid out and well thought out. So read the article. But Leslie, you did have one small counterpoint to Tom, and maybe we can close things out by you sharing that. So, I mean, I think his point was that it made for a more reasonable experience the later opening time. I mean, Disney Hollywood Studios, people are having to get up at the crack of dawn, before the crack of dawn. And that's not a great vacation experience for families. So I get that. But I guess the problem for me is that the craziness at Disneyland is happening at Disneyland Park, which is the signature park. And at least the craziness at Hollywood Studios is happening at a secondary park that is not as not as much of a must-do for every traveler. So I kind of hate how it's mucking up Disneyland and mucking up sort of the vacation experience for people who don't necessarily want to ride this attraction. It does have a 40-inch height minimum, so not everybody wants to ride it. That's a great point. All right, so let's end with the Disney do or don't. So since we talked about two parks, we're going to have one Disney do and one Disney don't. Leslie, start us off with the Disney don't. The Disney don't is don't wait to ride this attraction. I think the word's out. The lines are going to get worse before they get better. And so if you can get in a trip either park right now, maybe do it. All right, Joe, what's your Disney do? All right, my Disney do is do remember that you can talk to cast members if anything goes wrong with your experience, which unfortunately the probability of that is higher than other attractions. I had a friend who, without spoilers, had multiple issues with his boarding group. And then when he finally got to go on the ride, um, which was having operations problems that whole entire day, when he finally got on, he was placed halfway through the attraction, which if you have ridden the attraction, you know that you really lose a lot of the effect of the attraction. And he texted me and he was like, hey, they had a start here. And I was like, dude, on your way out, talk to a cast member and just tell them that you were really disappointed that you didn't get to do the whole attraction. And he did on the way out and they gave him a fast pass to come back on another day, which most people wouldn't know to ask that. And that is a perfectly reasonable thing to ask for. If you don't get to experience the complete attraction, please talk to a cast member. They will make you whole and give you a chance to experience it later. Great advice, Joe. 
All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. That is our advice for Rise of the Resistance. If you have advice or you have thoughts or comments, please let us know. DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at WDWDeciphered on Twitter, or on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. You can find old episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you find podcasts. We really appreciate positive reviews. Other than that, thank you so much, Leslie, and I will see you somewhere in the long Rise of the Resistance queue when they finally open it up. Thanks, Joe. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal.